Somebody say amen to that. God is going to do some great things. It's exciting to not only see uh, the churches rise up, but God raises up leaders and people. And, you know, the Philippines, we're going to talk a little bit about them, is a, is a place that um, is filled with a lot of uh, great beauty and also um, has a real need, a financial, a huge financial need. And um, I'm so glad that God has raised up in his own way. And by the way, we don't plant churches. How many know that God plants churches? God plants churches, and we get behind whatever God is doing. A report, uh, we had several people say this last couple weeks in our uh, Meridian, Idaho church, things are going tremendous there. God is doing amazing things. And we're excited. We believe that we're called to be church planters, not only for planting churches, but we're going to plant churches who plant churches. And we believe that that is a multiplication that's not man-centered, it's not man-driven, it's not some pastor leader who has some ambition. We believe it's a call of God on our lives. We also believe that God has a group of entrepreneurs in our midst that he wants to raise up to impact the world. Do you believe you're one of those? It's someone else, right? It's them. (laughs) Point to yourself. Just point to yourself. Come on. And say, it's me. You're either going to send people out or God is going to send you out. And it may be just down the street. It may be down the block or it may be a ministry within our church where you take it over. I always love walking by the Jesus Feeds ministry and watch what they're doing. And people think I have something to do with it. I don't have anything to do with it. I watch what they're doing. This ministry of called leaders who are serving the community, Brad and their team. You know, Susan and just their group watching what they're doing, impacting. And now God has raised this up. And let's, uh, let's give a, a round of applause for Kevin and Shannon Kligman, our pastors that are going out there. I know they're out here somewhere. Oh, there they are in the back. You guys just wanted to make a grand entrance, right? You were supposed to be sitting up there. They wanted you guys to keep applauding. <laughs> So you guys are going to the Philippines. We are, yeah. Tell yeah. us about tell us about the calling and and um, just how God has stirred up your hearts and kind of directed you. Yeah, there. You know, uh, we've been called to share the hope of the gospel of Christ. Uh, it started here and is continuing in the Philippines. Uh, and uh, praise God for that. Praise God for the work of redemption that He's done in our lives, and then uh, the hope that He's given us that we have the ability to share with the Filipino people also. And, you know, uh, going through everything here, having the leaders uh, mentor us and training us, going through the CVSOM, working with Ira and and learning so much, God has really done the work in us and for us and and will be through us in the Philippines. And we're excited to see what he's going to do. That's awesome. Tell us about the area that you're going to. Where, where in the Philippines are you? Most people are familiar with like Manila, very big city. Where, where are you and how many people live there? Tell us a little bit about the community there. Yeah, um, the Philippines, if you don't know, is comprised of 7,014 islands. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot. Uh, we're going to be about four hours outside of Manila, which is the biggest city there with 25 million people, most of who are, are very impoverished to live in, in circumstances and conditions that we couldn't even imagine. Um, and we'll what's be, a typical wage there in, in that area? 
In, in that in that area, okay, over uh, 16 million people are below the poverty line, which is uh, 6,000 pesos a month. Which is uh, how much dollars per month is that? We're, we're talking less than $100, uh, $100 a month. How many feel like you have a pretty good job now? Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, think about it. It's And um, about, about 10 million of those live in less than 50 cents a day. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But we're going to be going in uh, a province called Bataan, which is a, a drive away, uh, where really the gospel has yet to be preached. Uh, it's a... Uh, an open area where uh, most people have not even ever heard the word of God. Uh, we're going to be in a city called Belanga, which is, uh, you know, it's hard to calculate the amount of people that are in that city, but uh, it's a big city in, in a little, little uh, made up, comprised of villages and things like that in that area. And we believe that's where God's called us to be. And we're excited about that. Great. And, and you're from the Philippines. How does it feel to be going back, not only to family, but also reaching out to neighbors, friends, and hit, reaching that city, your own people? Well, I'm very overwhelmed, and um, I'm very happy to go back again to my country. And actually watching the video, um, I just feel bad. Mm. Be, feel bad for them. If you will look around here, you guys are so, 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 you know, blessed with a lot of things. And these people, they're getting food from the garbage can, and they're happy. Leftovers, they're happy. You can see smile from their faces. So I feel like, how about if they know God, how much they were going to feel? So, I'm just happy and overwhelmed, and I'm blessed to have this privilege that God has given us. That's awesome. And, and you know, you've been, you've been, you uh, start off, well, you've been working in all kinds of ministry in our church, haven't you? And I was thinking about kind of, you know, when you started working on the website and started thinking about the flow of ministry and how it happened and how God probably used that so much into understanding you know, how he would like to disciple people. And of course, the Philippines, it's a, its own culture. You don't know. We can't just cookie cutter something and move something over there. It's gonna, you're going to have to be led by the Spirit. What are some things that God's kind of laid on your heart as far as outreach there? You know, uh, we're, we're taking uh, a lot of what God is doing here and, and moving it over there. Uh, we're going to take a form of Jesus feeds, um, it's it's going to look a little different because everybody goes into the Marcus Square every morning and, and that's where they get their food. That's where everybody gathers. Uh, we're going to go there and we're going to feed them, have breakfast with them, and share the gospel on almost a daily basis. We're going to go out there and, and have breakfast and, and just share the good news and the hope of Jesus Christ and, and eat breakfast with these people. And, uh, you know, and then we're, we're going to go in and, uh, into Manila and we're going to build homes. And we're not talking about grandiose homes. We're talking homes that are eight by eight wood homes that are up off the ground so that when typhoons or flooding happens that uh, you know, people don't die. And that's, uh, you know, those are our big outreach things. We're also going to take, a, you know, a Bible study and, and kind of translate the base camp. We're translating into Tagalog now and, and uh, really disciple people and raise people up to be leaders through those programs. 
And tell, tell me a little bit, too. You've talked to me about, uh, you know, how you see the Filipino people as a, as a talented people, as a gifted people. I, I was thinking about the band Journey, who got that new Filipino singer. And I was thinking, where'd that guy come from? You know, and, and, I, 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 and I've seen through the years just what giftings and talent God has put in the Filipino culture. Tell us about that and what your hope is for the future. Is this, you see this as one little thing, or do you believe that God's going to blow up and expand what's happening out there? I believe that God wants to transform the country of the Philippines and, uh, and the world. He wants to expand his kingdom, and, and we're prepared for that. We're, uh, we, the Philippine people are so talented in, in so many areas, musically and, and intellectually, and uh, they have so many giftings, but uh, there's not a whole lot of hope for opportunity in those talents. There's... Uh, you know, it, life in the slums is you're, you're there and you have no hope to get a job. There's no ability and there's no hope for your kids either. Uh, you're, you can't afford to educate your kids. It costs money to do it there. And so there's no hope for them to have a, a different circumstance. Uh, on top of just bringing the gospel of Christ, which is, is paramount, we also want to give them hope in, in their world too and uh, for their families. And so we want to raise up uh, leaders and out of their circumstances economically as well. Uh, we're going to be doing this by partnering with uh, Kingdom 7, which is a, a clothing company built by entrepreneurs here, nonprofit that wants to uh, impact the world for the kingdom of God, not just in a church setting, but in, in the marketplace as well. Uh, we're going to partner with them. Uh, we're going to be uh, raising people out of these circumstances, giving them jobs. And we're not just talking about you know, a, you know, a job like maybe some other American companies might take advantage of the people they're doing. Uh, we're going to give them discipleship and prayer and breakfast in the morning and a wage that exceeds what they could expect there um, and a day that looks different than, than they would expect uh, so that we can minister in the kingdom. Uh, we're going to be making some products. If you see some of these T-shirts back here, uh, this is what we're going to teach these people how to make and send over here, and uh, yeah. they get to impact the community through that, too. That's awesome. And, you know, Kingdom 7, as you know, is because you're a part of it, and so am I, it is really a, started as a dream of a group of entrepreneurs within our, our body that said, let's make something that can impact the world take on the companies that are making millions of dollars and creating sweatshops in these places rather than actually building the city and building the industry. And let's, let's make something that actually can focus its profits and what it does to church planting and to building Christian colleges and affecting those things. And you're a big part of that, raising that up, getting local talent mm-hmm. and, and taking them from the kind of pay they'd normally make and raising them up so they can make an income. Most people don't know, but it's a cash society mostly. Yeah, it's correct? all cash-based. Cash There's no credit, n- none of that. Um, and we're going to be able to raise up leaders that can go back and impact their community and, and do what we do in the leadership of the church, in discipleship, and in the economic drive of the community. They'll be able to go back into their, their neighborhood, if you want to call it a neighborhood, and impact that neighborhood Uh, for Jesus Christ and economically as well. Amen. So you're leaving soon? Tomorrow. And what? Tuesday. 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 Tomorrow's our last day. That's okay. This happens to me all the time. (laughs) I think one thing that Jody goes, no, it's really that. 
how can we, and let's have a couple people come on up uh, who love to pray for these guys. Uh, how can we be praying for you, especially the first couple months where we're not going to just build, put a big building up. We're going to reach the people and reach the city. Yeah. We're, we're not there to be proselytizers. We're there to love the people, love God, love people. What are the, what are the main prayers that we can have for you right now? You know, the, the biggest prayer, uh, God says that, you know, he's already working and we expect great things. We expect um, he, that he is working and we just want to pray that the Holy Spirit will be working in the hearts and the minds of the people as we go there and share the gospel and present the message that uh, we can't do anything on our own. He, we're losers in ourselves. Uh, but through the power of the Holy Spirit and the, the message of the cross, uh, we're expecting that, that this community be transformed. Amen. So God is sending losers to the Philippines. He is, yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And uh, you know what? Let's extend a hand. And, and just, just so you know, we don't want to send people away. Do you know that? We want, how many know that we want people to stay? Right? But you know what? Part of the kingdom is sending people into the calling and the gifting of who they are. Whether that's five miles down you know, or it's across the world. And Father, we lay hands, Lord, in partnership. Lord, as we extend hands, Lord, we extend protection. Lord, we extend, Lord, your kingdom-mindedness. Lord, um, and, uh, the protection against the overwhelming temptations and fear. And what that culture, Lord, might just induce a, a, a hopelessness. Lord, I pray for hope that wouldn't end. I pray purpose and vision, a release of giftings and callings in the people that will meet. Lord, I pray for Kevin and their family, Lord, that they would have a closeness. I pray for the kids as they navigate this, that they would have a good time and they would love this. And they'd see that your hand is here with them. And Lord, we give our hearts, we give our resources, Lord, we give our talents in support of these guys. We pray blessings upon them. Lord, go with them, Lord. I pray for not only an established church, but a church that would multiply and impact, Lord, thousands upon thousands. And not because we're clever or slick or got good plans, but Lord, because this is something that not, we didn't birth this. This is something that you, in your own unique way, birthed. We recognize that, Lord. And we say, Lord, let the kingdom come. Let your will be done. In the name of Jesus Christ. If you agree, can you say amen? Amen. 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 You know, uh, amen. Let's get, thank you, Lord. You know, we don't, we don't uh, usually do uh, offerings, you know, separate offerings on things. But I really felt like the Lord wanted us to. Uh, so I'm just being obedient to that. We will have a basket back there. If you'd like to support these guys, and you, go, you can give up your cheeseburger this afternoon. Um, or whatever it is, we would like to establish some things um, for, um, for ministry over there. You can help them to get situated and just help get the very first Bibles bought, those kinds of things in the first rush. If that's you and you feel comfortable doing that, don't be, no compulsion, but just you feel that, man, I want to be a part of this. Why not be a part of it? There'll be a basket back there. Feel free to drop by there and have them share. As we were praying, I really, I, I feel like this is a word for you specifically, and I know it's kind of a, maybe a little bit cliche and overused, but I really believe that the Lord wants you to hear this from his heart. It's Romans fifteen thirteen. I pray that the God of all hope will fill you completely with joy and peace as you trust in him. Then you will overflow 
with a confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, guys. God is good. And all the time. All the time. God is good. He's faithful, isn't he? I'm always amazed at God's goodness and the things that he does. God's always bigger than us. You know, I, I, you know when we first came out here and we were at our church and we were on the platform over there and God was sending us out and we didn't think we'd be coming to Utah and we had no idea. But the Lord sent us out here and how many are glad that God sent us out here? <laughs> you know, and I'm not saying it for self-kudos, but... You know, I'm so glad that we came out here. We love Utah. And I could tell, you know, when God sends you to a place, he wants you to love it. It doesn't have to be forced. You just fall in love with it because you're in the will of God. Every day I look up and I see those mountains and I go, man, thank God I'm in Utah. Right? Then I go back to California and I sit in traffic and I go, I can't wait to get back to Utah. You know, we have our own traffic where people don't understand merge. I can't wait to get back. <laughs> it is true. Utahns don't understand the merge thing. There should, be, there should be statewide training on the merge concept. Amen? And it's funny because we're a really religious culture, but these are such basic scriptures like prefer others more than yourself. That means you don't cut them off. You let them go by. It's... It is. It's like, who's, who's ever been to Hawaii? You, you know, go, their culture is so different. You get to a, a, four-way stop, a four-way where it's not even a stop, and they all stop, and they go, you go. No, you go. <laughs> hey, bro, see you later. No problem. You know, our, our series is called Overcoming Everything. Today, I'm going to be focusing on anxiety, overcoming anxiety. <clears throat> I've been worried about it all week. I'm not kidding either. <laughs> no, not really. But I'll tell you something. Last week I talked about bitterness. How, how many got something out of that message? You know, overcoming. You, you, you can go on the website and you'll be able to download it. You know, overcoming bitterness starts that internal within against people. You get that emotional anger that just starts to soar up to rage and malice and eventually just becomes an unforgiveness and a bitterness and it ruins you. <sighs> Boy, anxiousness, worry, Jesus talks about it over and over again in the New Testament. Don't be afraid. Do not worry. You know, the, the, the stress-free living. And we don't really realize how to get it and how to, how to understand it and how God wants to give it to us. They're just concepts as if, you know, you just hear God's command, don't worry, and you go, okay, then I won't. You know, or you just, you know, we have a church class that's don't worry, and then I just put up their words, don't worry, and then I tell you guys, stop worrying, and then you'll just stop worrying. How many know that doesn't really work? How, it, has to, it has to be a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus pays for our sins on the cross and removes the consequences and the wrath from us. And he redeems us. And then he fills us with the Spirit. And the, the Spirit leads us into all truth. And today I hope that God would lead you into some revelation to overcome worry, to overcome anxiety. I can't tell you how much my life has changed from when I first became a Christian to living pretty much worry-free. And God has a great way to really bring freedom and deliverance to you. 
And how many want to, how many want to learn this today? I'm telling you, if you pay attention, if you just allow the Lord you'll, to speak to you, you'll find in his scripture what, how to get worry. I love worry in the word, in the old German, because it, it literally means in the, the old German, the old Germanic languages, worry comes from the word strangle or to choke. It's something that chokes you, and it comes in all sorts of forms. And I'll talk about those in a minute. But there are all kinds of anxiety disorders. When I was nine, here's, I'll give you my own example of a panic and worry time that was immediate, is there was a tunnel that used to go from one yard into the other in Los Angeles where I grew up. And it was this little tunnel, it kind of went underground, and it was about enough for a little kid to go through. A kid, I was about nine years old, 10, and probably a 12-year-old could go under. And you go, go all the way through, maybe from here to where that poster is. You'd go underground, and we used to do it all the time. We'd go under there and kind of skirt all through, and you wouldn't think about it. You just quickly, as you're moving your way through, get to the other side. Well, we used to have paper fights. Okay, these are LA games, okay? They might be a little more radical. <laughs> but we used to have paper, you know, we used to roll up newspapers, and then one block would take on the other block, and you'd beat up the other block with the newspapers. <laughs> and we had these wars all the time. They were done kind of friendly, but then they, you know, sometimes people would rocks in them, and then it would get out of hand. Well, we were having one of these things, and we were hiding in this one thing at one backyard where the, the tunnel was, and we said, let's go under the tunnel. So we went under the tunnel. A couple guys went ahead of me this time. I had always gone by myself. And then I went. I was like the third guy. And then a couple guys behind me. And we got about halfway, you know, about maybe midway, almost midway, where you couldn't quite see the light shining on the other side. And the guy in the front panicked. It was either the front guy or the guy who was second to him. There was a few people behind me, but someone in front of me panicked, and all of a sudden they stopped. And then they started backing up to get out. And I remember I was fine. I was totally fine. But then I started backing up, and I couldn't get back. I was, it was like I was closed in. And I'm telling you, in my own heart, I panicked. It was like internally I was like, get me out of this. All of a sudden, I realized how enclosed I was. In fact, I remember after I became a Christian, remembering this circumstance, and I said, Lord, if I, please don't let me go to hell. And if I do, please don't close me in on a tunnel. <laughs> because that would be the worst fear that I could have is close me in on a tunnel that I can't move and I can't get out. Anyone here have claustrophobic tendencies? Okay. Well, we're having a meeting at the end. It'll be in that closet <laughs> over there. We're all, we're just going to cram in there and kind of talk about it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you, you know, these are anxieties or fears that get us. And then there's also general provision sort of anxieties. It's kind of like, you know, how's my business doing? Is it going forward? You know, did I do enough? You know, how do I get, you, you, you get these panics. How am I going to take care of my kids? Or their relationship anxieties. Oh, I don't know if, you know, my, my losing connection with my daughter, you know, and we start to panic and there's a million things to panic. And I've asked myself this question, and maybe you have too, where, where I said to myself, is anxiety wrong? Like, shouldn't I be worried? Like, doesn't it help? Like, I, I almost feel like, you know, I'm the boss. You know, if someone should be worried, I should be worried. 
Shouldn't I be, if I'm the head, I'm the dad, shouldn't I be worried for this for my family? Is it going to help? And, and, you, and you ask yourself that if, if it's productive. And then you get Jesus coming along who's saying 12 times, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. I think he's trying to make a point. And the point is, do not worry. Amen? And I think, what gives him the right to say that? You know what I mean? Uh, you, know, every, you know, if you're in sales, you've got to make a certain number to make that paycheck and pay all your bills or it goes down. Of course you're going to worry. You know, you're in a relationship and you're not quite married yet. And you're, you're kind of testing the waters and all of a sudden you're going, he doesn't like me or she doesn't like me. Now you're worried. You know, maybe I'm going to lose this relationship. Maybe, maybe it's not going to work out. Maybe your health, you're worried about your health or the health of a loved one. Maybe they're not going to make it. Maybe they're not going to die. Remember the last time someone did die. I should be worried. I should be worried. It's, it's something that I should do. It becomes addicting. And listen, if you believe in a God that wants you to worry, that really desires that you worry, that it's productive, that it's beneficial, I encourage you, then worry. Worry unto that God. And then... If you're an unbeliever, let's say you don't believe in God, you're in an incredibly vast, inexplicable, random, chemically driven universe. And you're wondering if you should worry, you should definitely worry. <laughs> There's no purpose for you. You're just a random accident. Why should you worry at all? Because there's a million things that can take you down. A random accident. You could eat the wrong thing. You could step in the right, wrong direction. A car could come. There's a million possible things. Chemistry within you could just mess up. One cell will stop working the way it's supposed to. You should definitely worry. I would worry all the time. You need to worry. Something can happen to you. Why should you be kept alive over any other thing? But listen, if you're a Christian and you believe in God... And you understand that he has purpose for you. And that he has numbered your days and will keep you survivable to fulfill that purpose for his namesake and for your blessing. Don't worry. How many say amen? You don't need to worry. It's amazing how a little bit of circumstances, because you know, you often get a false Something that you think might happen. It may happen. I'm not sure if it'll happen. You get kind of fearful. And worry becomes addictive. I see parents that worry. And then I meet their parents. And what are they like? They're worriers. And then I see their kids. They're worried. They're worried about provision. They're worried about their job. What kind of car they're going to get. It's because their parents are worriers. That's what they worry about. It's passed on. It's a spiritually passed on. It's emotionally passed on. It's physically, you know, just through habit passed on. And then you get a family of warriors. You're always worried. And, and it's like, and then Jesus comes in and goes, where's your faith? You know, don't you trust me? And you start to act like a non-believer. You're an unbeliever in this, uh, in this way. I, I think of how much false evidence appears real, the acronym for fear. It, it, it looks like it's bigger than it is. And, and I read this or heard this statistic by... This thing about fog. Imagine a dense fog that's clouding 
let's seven blocks of neighborhood, like from here to almost like where that McDonald's is down there at Third East. From here to there, imagine it a hundred feet in density, sixty thousand million drops drops in this thing. Do you know how much water that is? One glass of water. One glass of water dispersed into fog can cover that much ground. I wonder how many times we've taught our kids or our family to fear on something that never even happened. On something that we just speculated that would happen. And instead of understanding that we belong to God, that he would take care of us in the way that he would take care of us, instead of trusting, we gave into anxiety and fear. It's ironic because the world's remedy for this is always a pill. They have a million chemicals. They say, let's adjust your chemistry because you know, this, chem- this you know, gland within you affects that gland, which affects that one. And if we tweak that, then you won't feel as much. And if you don't feel as much, then you won't worry as much. And they, you try to pinpoint what chemistry is. I'm not saying I'm against chemistry at all times. I'm just saying that's the world's answer. We spend so much money. It's like $42 billion just spent on government spending related to it. And what happens is it affects your emotions too. How many think emotions are a gift from God? How many? Seriously. Do you believe God gave us emotions to bless us? You know, even sadness that sometimes, you know, we're drained and we feel sad and we cry and we weep. It relieves anxiety. It relieves sorrow. And joy. Isn't it awesome to feel joy? A rush. You don't need a comedian just to make you laugh. You just have joy in your life. And you can't believe it. It's the joy of God. It's the emotions. God gave us emotions to bless us. You know, that that it would be a state of blessing for us. But emotions need to be controlled by reality. We can't be running down some imagination. We, We can't start imagining scenarios that are bigger than God's ability to overcome it. You know, where they become idolatry. Where they become the source of anxiety. Listen to some of these. There's general anxiety disorder. And that's, you know, everyone has, it's called comorbidity. It's a combination of different anxieties. You might have one, this one and this one and this one. It's kind of a combination. Normally you don't just have one. They sort of overlap each other. People have obsessive compulsive anxiety disorder. They, they all of a sudden, they just got to wash their hands. They don't feel clean for some reason. They're always washing their hands or they're pulling their hair. There's panic disorder like I just mentioned. You get a rapid heartbeat, you fear something, and you, all of a sudden, you, know, you can't, can't function. There is a PTSD. Some have experienced this. I have. Post-traumatic stress disorder. You've, had, you've been in battle or you've been in war or something traumatic has happened and after the event, you still feel anxious about it. You're not, it's not resolved yet. And, and people will take a pill for that or try to get counseling to, to solve that. There are specific anxieties, okay? People have fear of rats and snakes. Agoraphobia, they're afraid of crowds. Anyone got that? <laughs> Hopefully not. Acrophobia, fear of heights. You know, when, when I, I, I don't have a fear of heights for me personally, but I, I always, I, whenever my kids are in some height place, I get, I, I don't want them to fall. It's, it's like I'm extra careful. I, I remember when we were in Disneyland, we were taking that skyline that goes through the Matterhorn. 
and around. And I got two brothers, older brothers, who thought it would be really fun if we could rock it so it would go around. How many have acrophobia, fear of heights? Anybody? Okay. You know, we got the claustrophobia. 50% of the American population has some form of this. And they have, in fact, the government and the American Health Association, in its valiant effort, wants to help you manage your stress. Now, let me give you a contrast. Jesus doesn't want to manage your stress or you to manage it. He wants no stress, no anxiety. Do you think that God is worried right now? Like, do you think he's up there right now being the sovereign God? Or do you think he's up there going? (laughs) Imagine you go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I come to you. Okay. And I just need things and provision for my family. I mean, who does God look to except for himself? God is not stressed. Are we being conformed to the image of Christ? Is Jesus worried right now? Or has he been delivered? Listen, put up Jesus' words or anxiety, the definition here. Afraid or nervous, especially about what may happen. And if you look at Jesus' words, verse 22, he says, and say it with me, say, do not be anxious. Just look to somebody and say, do not. Do not. That word there, it's the word me in Greek. It it, it literally, do not, it's translated to two English words, but it can be translated and has some translations where it could be literally just translated stop. Stop, stop being anxious. Stop ongoing worry. Stop being afraid. This is the message. He's saying, this is not the life for the children of the kingdom. It's a life of not worrying. And how is God going to bring this? And how many want to find out how God brings us here? Come on. Amen. This, this is it. Stop being anxious. Stop worrying. Stop living afraid. Stop paying attention and expending careful thoughts and concerning yourself and occupying your thoughts and feeding every interest in worry. Stop it. God has got you. Paul says it this way. Do not be anxious about, can everyone say anything? Anything. Do not be anxious about anything. He says in that scripture, rejoice. Trust me, I got this. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, every situation that you encounter, how? Prayer and petition, talking to God, reminding yourself, Not complaining, but with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. Lord, this is what I'm dealing with. This is how it's ongoing. Lord, this is what I'm dealing with. Oh, 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 here's some cares. I got some care. Lord, I'm caring about this a lot. I can see anxiety coming. Here it is. Don't you love it when your kids are younger? Because you, they obviously, they're not ready to handle anything yet. And you want them to lean on you. I'm hurt. I'm scared. That's okay. Dad's got this. Mom's got this. And all of a sudden they go, okay. And you can bring them peace. Just think if you became a peacemaker in your home. What would happen if you changed the culture from a panic, 
worry, gossip, bitter household. That you became a household filled with love, trusting God, joy, peace, kindness, goodness. Wouldn't that be a lot better? And wouldn't it be better if you didn't have to fake it? It just came because God is incarnating it in your life because he actually wants you to do it. Listen, there are two areas where we can direct worry, fear, and anxiety. We can fear and worry in the physical world. Okay, what, what kind of needs do I have? And then you can do it in the spiritual world. What about my afterlife? What kind of, what does God think about me spiritually? You know, am I condemned by him? Am I judged by him? Am I good enough? And if you're in a religious culture, you struggle with that because you don't know the redemption that comes by grace. But we're saved by grace. Amen? Number one, stop worrying about the basics of life. Listen to what Jesus says. He's talking to his disciples. And he says, I tell you. Therefore, I tell you. He's talking about how he's in charge of everything. He's telling him that the kingdom is the most important thing. He's trying to tell them that they have purpose. And he says, listen, you don't need to worry about your life. I'm going to talk about this more later. He says, what you're going to eat. Okay, and I think we are saturated with food channels and fashion channels. You know, what you're going to eat, don't worry about it. Am I going to have enough? Will God provide for me? You know, what about this? You know, it's like, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, about your body, what you're going to wear. You can trust the sovereign God. You can trust his care. You can trust his provision. And number two, stop worrying about your eternal destiny. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Do you think that the Lord created eternity? Not that he made the eternity for you, but embraced you into his kingdom, into his ways, his spiritual dimension of how to live forever that he is bringing you into. Do you think that he's reluctantly giving it to you? No. He's pleased to give you. God so loved the world. He loves the world and draws man to himself. I want to say amen. Amen. Listen, you know, Jesus says, then think about this. When Nicodemus comes to him, he says, I spoke to you of earthly things and you don't believe. Think about it. You don't believe that God's going to provide for you. Of course, you're not going to have spiritual security. How are you going to believe him about the heavenly things? When he starts promising you that I'll be with you forever. And when I come back, I'll come get you. And listen, if you live as a worrier and a doubter and an unbeliever, how are you going to possibly believe him about heavenly things? Listen, letter A, worry is a failure to understand divine priority. Boy, if you get this, you'll get a big part of this message. Listen to Jesus. I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. He already explained that. Your provision, your clothes. Look at the lilies of the field. They don't labor or spin. Look at the birds of the air. They don't. And then he says, listen, your life is more important than food. Amen? It's more. It's more than that. It's more than provision. When God made you, he made you with a higher purpose. He is going to... Look at me. I was an addict... I remember my father picking me up in the gutter, just laying in the gutter. I was so wiped out. I was on everything. You name it, I was on it. I was just like, you know, sorry, but have vomit coming out of my mouth, drooling down my cheek, the police there. And I remember my dad picking me up, and he was shamed by me and took responsibility for some of his own things. But listen, can I tell you, look where God brought me. 
Because even back then, God had purpose for my life. And he has purpose for you. My life is more than the food and the escape that I was going. It's more important than that. I'm more valuable than that. I am more precious than that. This is one of the most important things to understand. One, I exist for a higher purpose. My body is more than clothing. I exist for more than food and survival. I'm more than an animal or an eating machine. I'm just not keeping myself alive. And if God gave you life, and he did, and if he wants you to live, and guess what? He does. And if he brought you into his kingdom, and he has, then he has purpose for you to fulfill, and he will sustain you until he fulfills that purpose in your life. Do I hear an amen? Amen. This is what cures worry. I'm in God's hands. I can't tell you how many times in life where circumstances, the wind and the waves are bigger than the boat. And it looks like the boat's going to capsize and God says, back up. Do you trust me? And I go, yes, Lord, but am I going to look like an idiot in the process? And sometimes the answer is yes. Isn't it? Listen, if you've known me at all, how many have seen me look like an idiot before? Come on. Yes, you have. How many have seen me make mistakes before? That's right. I can always imagine a better version of Eric, and I have many times gone to, I've gone to the Lord. When I first started church planting, I go, Lord, you've got to have someone better than me. This can't be your plan. Making me involved in all this stuff. You've got to have better. And I started naming pastors and leaders I knew around the country, and I go, why don't you send him over here? He'll do way better than I'll do. And God's going, I sent you. I called you. And guess what? I'm not alone. How many feel like you're part of the call of God? Come on. Just raise your hand high. Just say this. Say, God is going to sustain me. I, just point to yourself. Say, I. I am more than just survival. Just say, say, I'm more than the food. Just grab the clothes. Just say, I'm more than the clothes. I have a higher purpose. I don't need to worry. Because God will take care of me. Oh, I might have hard times. I might even get disciplined. But it'll be for my good. And it'll move me closer to his purpose. Just say it one more time. Say, I don't need to worry. One more thing. Say, I don't need to be afraid. I don't need to be stressed. I just need to trust God. You will die. You know that, right? You are going to die. And maybe it's in the hospital. Everybody's around you and they're all saying goodbye as you gasp your last breath. You might even struggle with the last breath. Right? Who knows how how you're going to go. But I can tell you this. The Lord has numbered your days and that's what he says. You can either trust him or you cannot trust him. God has got you. And I'm telling you, he will fulfill his purposes. How many say amen? Amen. Listen, I'm going to have Jody come up here in just a bit. As I close up, I'm going to have her share her testimony. Worry is a failure, letter B, to understand divine provision. Consider the ravens, Jesus says. They don't sow or reap. You don't see them with their tractors getting food. The birds, 
are short-lived, a little beautiful little creature flying around, you know, you know, and, and tr- in those days, you know, most of you know, or some of you know that Israel is a great, you know, migration place. It's one of the largest in, in the world, if not the largest migration for birds, because there's desert on one side and all the Eastern Europe, you know, birds and everyone from that area all migrate through Israel. They have one of the largest, you know, bird migrations in the world. And it says they neither they have neither storehouse. They don't have a bank. They don't have Wells Fargo. Right? They don't have barns that they got to store and checkbooks that they have to balance. And he says, and yet God feeds them. He's trying to make a point. Yes, I've given you responsibility. Yes, I'm going to teach you stewardship. But guess what? The birds which have nothing, I take care of them. We have to understand God's privilege. He made us for a higher purpose, his priority and his provision that God made us valuable and he'll take care of us. Okay, and it doesn't make any sense. Can you imagine if God says, I got this purpose for you and I got things I want to do in you. And if you can just keep yourself alive (laughs) because I can't do that part. Would you please help me out? Otherwise, I can't be God. I need you. How many know God is bigger than that? Our God is great. Okay, listen, I have a higher purpose. Number two, I am valuable to God. And he says, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable? Listen to that word valuable. Precious, costly, expensive. The the price paid for us was immeasurable. That's the measure of the love and worth that God puts on our redemption. Is that. And God says, when you were enemies, that was my action. How much more now that you've accepted it will I be on your side? Right? It's right there in Romans 5. And he says, high-end, upscale, big ticket, worth its weight in gold, priceless. You don't have to worry about it. Look what David says. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Because David knows I'm a king. I'm a conqueror. I'm going to help to get the temple restored. God's giving me things to do. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me to the quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Who's providing for him? God. I love that. He makes me lie down. And sometimes God's making you lie down, isn't he? Right? You don't want to get up, but he does. So we don't have to build bigger and bigger barns, okay, to try to store things. He says, you don't need to store in barns. Listen, I I hope this, I don't mean to slight anyone. I I want to speak a truth that will really encourage you. But, but it has an, a little edge, and that's this. If you don't understand God's provision, and you're a worrier, so you, you never give because you're always worried, and you got your family of worries, you're, worth, you're just a worry wart that way. What you're saying is, and what you're living out is, is that you have low self-worth. Because you see yourself so unvaluable that You can't imagine this God, this mighty God, pouring out the fountain of power and love upon you. Redemption to the eternities that will blow your mind in a billion years. you You will not believe it's unimaginable the incredibleness of what God has prepared for you. And you're wondering if you got enough bread. Seriously? 
If you lose your house, suck it up and trust God. He might be building you up for something great. Every great leader has seen great sorrow and anguish and had attitude rising above it. It's, it's an honor walk. It's a valor walk where you go, man, I was stuck. Look at me. I share my testimony. And I know you could sit there and go, what a loser. Go ahead. You'd be absolutely right. But look at the redemption of God. Right? I couldn't remember anything. You know, I watch Kevin up here. Kevin's got his own set of things that God's delivered him from. Right, Kevin? If you're out there, he's in the back. But listen. Can I, and I, I don't want to share his sins, but trust me, he's like, I just have one slideshow. Go ahead and put out Kevin's sins. We had to put them all on one slide, so we had to use the font size one. Listen, how many have your own sins and things that you're ashamed of? And how many are glad? Put the other hand up and say, but God has redeemed me. Say it one more time. I have purpose. Say it one more time. I am valuable. We are valuable. Now say this. God will take care of me me. until he fulfills his purpose in me. And then kaboom, you're gone. (laughs) And we'll be up here doing your funeral. We're really thankful for Bob. He was a great guy. Now, we won't say he was a great guy. We'll say what a turd he was. But guess what? God worked in his heart and changed him. And he was redeemed. That God changed his name from Bob and he reversed it back and forth. Now it's Bob. (laughs) Last slide there. Stop worrying. Go ahead and put that last one up there. I am valuable to God. I exist for a higher purpose. God says he'll provide for me. Stop worrying. Jody, my wife, come up here. My wife's going to share. She struggled with worry, and God brought her deliverance and healing. Go ahead and share, babe. I was going to say, I'm the wife. That's Pete. <laughs> he got here before me. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can stand here. Um, and You did. Um, I used to be one of those people that would wake up in the middle of the night with panic attacks. And even as a child, I was so anxiety-ridden that I... I I struggled all the time with being anxious, and I was always struggling with my thoughts. And and the reason that I wanted to just share my story with you is because I really believe that I'm standing here as a beacon of hope. You know, the Lord has delivered me from a lot of things, but I think one of the most profound things the Lord delivered me from is anxiety. And I know that the Bible says that, that the Word of God is living and active, that the Bible brings life, that the Bible brings healing. And one of the scriptures that I memorized, and I tell you, you know, get your cell phone out and text yourself or write this down. Philippians 4, Eric referenced it before. Philippians 4, 4 through 8. And I'm telling you, when those thoughts come up, don't tolerate anxiety as though it was not sin, because it is sin. It is. Anxiety is the same as having a murderous thought or a lustful thought or a covetous thought, any of these things. When you worry, when you don't put your trust and your hope in God, like Eric said, it, it, it breaks God's heart because he's like, you're worth so much to me. 
so I just, Philippians 4, have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving in your heart, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God that goes beyond understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. When those anxious thoughts come up, just quote that scripture out loud. Proclaim truth. Don't try to fight it on your own. It's a spiritual thing, but it can be fought spiritually. And I just want to invite you, if this is something that you want to get delivered from today, if this is something that has, that has robbed you of peace and joy and hope, I just want to invite you to just come up here, come forward as a symbol that you're telling God, I I really want to get set free. God, I'm serious about this. I want to be delivered from this. If you are somebody who has wrestled with anxious thoughts or worry, just want to invite you to just come forward. I know it's kind of counterintuitive maybe. But I just promise you, The peace of God that transcends understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And he has deliverance for you. And I can stand here and I can tell you I was racked with it, racked with anxiety. But God set me free and he wants to set you free too. So as these people are coming forward, there's room over here also. As they're coming forward and thank you guys for your boldness for taking that step out to be to show God that you're really serious about this and if and if this is even too much to ask you to come forward you know just in your own heart right now let's just pray together just from where you're sitting and let's ask the Holy Spirit to bring deliverance do you believe that the Holy Spirit wants to bring deliverance in this room today So let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you're good. We thank you that you are a delivering God. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the Prince of Peace. That you came to bring peace. And Lord God, we just invite you today to set us free from worry. Set us free from anxious thoughts. Set us free from the temptation to try to take our own lives into our hands and try to figure everything out, Lord. Help us, God, to recognize these anxious thoughts and to reject them and to instead remember your promises and to remember your word. God, we just we, we just come to you and we confess, Lord, that we have fallen short in this area. Lord, we have sinned against you by worrying. And we thank you that you are a God of forgiveness and that you do have forgiveness. And we want to stand against anything that sets itself up against the knowledge of who you are. In the name of Jesus, we come against worry in the name of Jesus. We come against anxiety in the name of Jesus. We speak truth. We speak the provision of the Lord. We believe you, God. We believe that you want to provide. We believe that you want to reconcile us. We believe that you forgive us. We believe that you want to set us free, Lord. And so we just receive We receive the deliverance from you today. God, we want to walk in truth. Thank you, Lord. Can I just invite the base camp to come up too? And if you're a person who has never really had a revelation of who Jesus Christ really is, I just want to offer an opportunity for you today too. 
to receive the forgiveness that Jesus offered on the cross. It's as simple as recognizing that you are a sinner, that you have fallen short of God, and to see that he has come as the Savior of the world, that he has come as the forgiver. That's what the good news is. The good news is that you can be forgiven, you can be delivered, you can be set free.